your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Spaceman. Come in, David Britton. Uh, coming in, yes. Oh, you're beaming in loud and clear. <laughs> now, just on that, do uh, people do like a role play, kind of like they do medieval stuff? Do people do that like astronautly? Can, do people play that game or? Astronautly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't quite heard them doing it that way. Uh, no, I really don't know. I'm, I'm not into... Like um, fake moon landings? Like people like doing their own kind of like missions to Mars over... That oh, must be, eh? actually. I'm just... Definitely I, if I'm talking about it. I think if that's done, it'll probably be more in an educational way. Right. Of, uh, you know, role-playing um, to learn about how that works. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the, the other type of role-play is more, much more the fictional side of things. Right. Yep, right on. Yeah, right. Our, our previous uh, education manager was very much into that side of things, yeah. Nice. Go to the Armageddon exhibition and so on. Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. this uh, this Spaced Out is, is very much factually based, though. Mm. Where now, uh, David, yeah. David uh, Beetlejuice... Oh, yeah. fuck. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice has uh, suddenly dimmed in the last 12 months in the night sky. Do we know why this is happening? Uh, no, no, we don't. And you're quite safe saying the name of the star three times, as far as I'm aware. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, Betelgeuse, um, at the end of last year, dimmed uh, remarkably. Um, and during this year, it has gradually um, co mostly come back to uh, where it was. Um, and so to try and find out uh, why it did that and whether it might do it again and so on is remarkably difficult. Um, to try and uh, find something like this out, you need to be able to see the face of the star. Now, we sort of take seeing the face of the sun for granted because it's so large in our sky. But for every single other star in the sky, even with the largest telescopes, they're just points of light, with the exception, uh, I think, of two. Betelgeuse is one. And, um, and Taurus is possibly the other. There might, might be a third. But anyway, it's, there's only like two or three stars that any telescope in the world can actually get mm. an image of a disk in view. Betelgeuse is part of Orion's belt in the pot, is it? Yes, yeah, the brightest star of, of uh, Orion. Mm -hmm. um, so it's called Alpha Orionis. Um, it's a very large star, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's about or the orbit of Jupiter, so if you put it where our sun is. Yeah, not a bad star. It's, it's pretty, pretty big. It uh, weighs 18 times or so more than our sun weighs. A yeah, kind of heavy star. Okay. Uh, but it's a long way away, uh, 548 light years. So that's about 130 times further away than the star nearest to our sun. So Proxima Centauri is about 4.2 light years away. This is 548 light years away. It's probably never heard of Betelgeuse. That's what you're getting at, really. <laughs> so um, the problem is, um, if you want to look at it, uh, and you need a big telescope to be able to see the disk, but big telescopes have huge, amazing demands on their time mm. by professional astronomers for a huge range of projects and, and research. And so to get uh, what they need, they need to be able to actually get high-resolution re views of the surface of the star frequently not just once a year or something it's not going to tell them anything and that's really not 
possible um, the, the normal way. So what these um, guys have come up with is um, a cheap, by that I talk about, say, $400,000, which in telescope terms I can tell you is very cheap, um, uh, system using 12 off-the-shelf telescopes. Wow. So these are just 10-centimeter telescopes um, off the shelf. Tell me uh, they've taped them all together to make a long telescope. Please tell me that. You're almost right. <laughs> almost. Yes. What they're going to do is secure it to a radio telescope dish. Okay, so a radio telescope is okay. always large because you've got long wavelengths. Um, and uh, if you put a, a, a normal telescope affixed to it, you don't have to point that telescope because it's attached to the radio telescope, which is going to point where you want it anyway. Hmm. And if you have 12 of them mounted on a telescope like that, what you can do is take the combined light from those 12 telescopes and make the 12 of them behave as if that telescope is, say, 10 meters in size. Hmm because the telescope that you put it on is that size. It's, it's, it's something they call interferometry. Oh, I was going to so say that, actually. But. you're using these 12 small telescopes mounted on an existing radio telescope dish to behave as if it's the same size as that radio telescope. I like this. It sounds like something my granddad would have done. <laughs> well, it's, it's possibly. Uh, it's not easy. I mean, to, you, you need to bring the light waves from each of those telescopes together extremely precisely yeah right um, I mean, so it, it's not an easy thing so uh, but that's what they're uh, aiming to do they're setting up um, uh, a prototype uh, system and uh, if they can get that to work they'll um, bring it together on a larger antenna and um, they see if they can get that to work and that would be a dedicated telescope so once during the night the radio telescope just points to Betelgeuse they get the image, and the radio telescope carries on doing what it was doing. What are they hoping to figure out? The, the reasons behind Betelgeuse sudden, suddenly dimming in the night sky? Is it going to explode, or I mean, what's well, going on up there? Well, that's part of it, yeah. I mean, it's a red supergiant, so mm. it's, it's extremely large. Um, it is going to end in a supernova at some point. It's not thought that it's near that point at this stage, um, but this sudden dimming, which has happened in the past, um, is just got no explanation and of course to a scientist something that hasn't got an explanation they always want to find out if there is one okay yeah so at the moment they think maybe it's a whole bunch of dusty material given off in an explosion on the surface of the star or something like that but it could be huge uh, sunspots um, that have obstructed the light from the star or something like that so yeah that's that's uh, what they're working on anyway Pretty, pretty, pretty uh, nifty solution if it works. I like it. I, I, I really like it. Now, what else is happening in outer space news? Have we got some winners for the, or winners of the NASA toilet competition? <laughs> That's right. This is something uh, that we talked about way back in 2016, believe it or not. Uh, I talked about the space poop challenge, um, and I suddenly realised um, just the other day that. I'd never ever caught up with if there was a winner. Did NASA sort of announce a winner or what happened? Right. Um, and so I went back and had a look, and uh, it turns out, yes, they did. Uh, they gave awards to three of the entries. This was um, open to people around the world. 
Um, and the idea was to come up with a design for a spacesuit that could collect and move human waste away from the body mm. while an astronaut was wearing the spacesuit in uh, weightless conditions for up to six days. Now, the current method is an astronaut wears a diaper. They get in a suit with the diaper on, they're in the suit for about eight hours, because oh. that's as much air as they take. Yeah. And they get out of the suit, and then they can take the diaper off, and that's it. But in an emergency, you know, let's say there's depressurization in their environment, um, they're stuffed. You can be there for eight hours, five, but then you're going to die because your air's going to run out. Mm. Um, it might so smell a bit weird you, before you it runs out, You can add more too. air, you know, by having an outside source, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you're sitting there... You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, they, they, there were three winners. Um, but the disappointing thing from our point of view is that Na the reason I didn't find it or hear about it before is NASA's not saying what these entries put forward, mm. what their solutions were. They're keeping that to themselves. Obviously, it's like a, a two-door airlock system, like a pajama, pajama pant with two airlock <laughs> systems. Then you do the dump, you have the airlock, then you can open the dump on the other end and... Did, did you proceed an entry into the competition? Well, I was. Do you have to like? Do you have to do like straight lines and stuff? Could I just draw it on like a napkin and send it in like with sort of a Simpsons style, or did it have to be like real good? Or? Uh, well, I think you you had to fill out the entry. There was a long list of specifications. I can colour in between the lines. Uh, but you also had to have a working model. Okay, yeah, no, that's yeah. not keen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it has to apply to men and women, not just. Uh, suitable for men. Right on. Right, that's all right. And mine was, mine was multi. -sex. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could well be that the new design um, pops up before um, they actually go back to the moon, and one would hope so, because, uh, I mean, the a Apollo astronauts is highly risky what they did going um, without any backup if something really went wrong, mm. as they found with Apollo 13, of course. Especially when you're nervous as well, you know what I'm saying? Nerves during launch. Well, just all of it, right? Like, <laughs> man, I get nervous, and, and I know my everything starts to move around inside of me, you guys. <laughs> I think if they found you had stage fright, they'd probably not select you. I suspect. <laughs> God damn it! Heaps of reasons why I can't be an astronaut. One of them is because of yeah, my bowels. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we at now? Uh, New Zealand first New Zealand student satellite launch. Is that? Yeah, yeah. This is from uh, University of Auckland. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. The uh, yeah, yeah, um, there's 26 or so students who have contributed over th a three-and-a-half-year project. Wow. Um, and so they've got a, a, a microsatellite that's um, going to measure and look at the upper reaches of the atmosphere, the ionosphere. Oh, I've heard of that. Um, and uh, see what, what's um, happening up there, um, because uh, when that gets affected, that then affects radio and GPS signals on mm -hmm. Earth, television, Internet, and telephone communications, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's um, going to be launched. Uh, the next Rocket Lab launch, um, I think it's down for the 15th of this month, uh, so uh, and not far away. Uh, and Rocket Lab are sending it up for free. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. Well, they've got 30 other satellites on board. Paying their way. Yeah. <laughs> from other people. Uh, yeah. Uh, but for, for this one launch uh, for the... Um, Auckland Space Program. Um, it's uh, at no cost uh, for this one satellite. Awesome. Yeah, so hopefully that gets up safely. And um, yeah, the first uh, New Zealand student made, designed um, satellite will be up there. Sweet brag. Hopefully it doesn't go up during a meteor shower. <laughs> 
such a great segue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, uh, that is uh, a danger, in fact, um, because the landed meteor shower, that just simply means it's going to, um, the, the meteors are going to appear to be coming from the constellation of Leo, mm. which is in the morning sky in the north before sunrise. Um, the peak is on the 17th, so it's only a couple of days after um, this launch. Um, so between the 14th and the 21st of this month is uh, the meteor shower. Okay. Could be up to 100 or more meteors an hour. Um, and some of them can be very bright. Um, I've seen some very bright ones in the past. I feel like I've never seen a meteor shower. Uh, well, they only happen at particular times of the year as the Earth goes through old comet dust trails. Sweet. Um, so you need to get out somewhere between like 3 and 5.30 in the morning. Okay, that, sometimes that's the case. Yeah, yeah. If you hear the rain on the roof like I'm hearing at the moment, it's not much point, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking north, um, and the, the meteors will appear to come from that point, a bit like looking at a railway track where everything converges on at one point. Vanishing point. Um, yeah, so they can be pretty bright. What, and what the moon the will day? be moving away. We've got a bit of a crescent moon at the moment, but from by the, the end it'll be new moon, so, so it'll f- actually be a really dark sky. They're flying for a bit, for like four or five days from the 14th, did you say? Uh, yeah, 14th to the 21st is when they happen. The peak is the 17th. Okay. But that's two days after new moon, so the, the sky will be really dark. There'll be no bright moon to, to upset things there. Right. In the morning, remember, though. <laughs> Very nice. Nice one. Nice one. And yeah, after sunset, we've got some planets to look at. Jupiter and Saturn over in the west, they're still there. And Mars is uh, a bit higher than it used to be uh, in the northeast, about 40 degrees up. So, you know, nice uh, planets to see after sunset. Excellent. Now, what's happening at the Stardome? Wine and cheese. Wine and cheese, yeah. Wine, cheese and astronomy. We've had this uh, for quite a while, um, but uh, been decided to just ramp things up a little bit uh, um, with, with Christmas coming up. So it's every Wednesday night now till the end of the year. And the other change is that uh, this year um, we're not closing down. In previous years, Stardome has closed down between Christmas and New Year. Uh, not doing that this time. Uh, so keep an eye on the uh, website for um, when it is closed. I'm pretty sure it'll be closed Christmas Day, I think, but um, it'll be open otherwise. So every Wednesday from here till the end of the year, wine, cheese, and astronomy. It's R18 for those wanting to get some wine or beer um, as part of the ticket, of course. Um, but you so it's it's the night sky um, sort of ramped up a bit, um, and there's a, a cheese platter um, available as well. Man, someone's just slipped in a text here, David. You might have an insight here, asking if Biden will abandon the space force. I doubt it, but I really don't know. Mm. Um, that did occur to me. That question. Right. Um, he hasn't said anything that I've seen either way. Yeah. Um, I suspect he'll maybe keep refund. the powder dry and maybe wait to see what uh, the allies say when he sort of starts trying to get. Um, international relations back on track. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't think he'll just walk in and say, okay, you're out. Yeah, they're likely to just uh, divert funding anyway. They don't really like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay, David. I I really don't know what what he might do then. Well, time will tell. Time will tell, of course. And uh, no doubt we'll cover it. And uh, that's what this segment's for. Yeah, well, um, uh, actually, while while we're um, still the first operational Crew Dragon mission to the space station is going up, this, I think it's the same day as the Rocket Lab launch. So remember, the SpaceX uh, had their mission 
with two astronauts on board, and they stayed uh, at the space station for about six weeks. Um, that was a test mission. Okay. This is a fully operational crew mission. So this is the first one from SpaceX to the space station. So the United States can now say, no, they really are back to um, low Earth orbit. Right hopefully. on. Nice one. Hey, thank you, David. Uh, we'll catch you in a fortnight's time. Look forward to it. Bet. Cheers, mate. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. <laughs>